KHP 006 Chawagal In October of 1867, something strange happened in Clinton County, Pennsylvania. Letters have been found over the years. Museums, estate sales, and antique shops have held them for ages. The accounts are from six separate people in or north of the area of Charlton, which is now known as Crestmont, with Woolrich to the north. The people who have written the letters have been identified as a farmer named John Hockenberry, an unidentified traveler passing through town, a supposed monster hunter and paranormal expert named Loophill Ike, townsfolk only identified as Smith, Bustler, and Miller. This is the story of Clinton County's official monster, the Jawagle. First entry from Bustler, 27th October, 1867. I heard the most perplexing thing today whilst in town. Normally, I wouldn't repeat hearsay or gossip, but it just seemed too strange not to write this down. I had arrived in town with my horse and wagon for some supplies from the general store. We had begun work on the indoor bathroom and needed extra fittings and plumbing supplies. I was leaving Charlton and headed home when I overheard a conversation on the steps of the constable's quarters. The constable himself and a man who looked to be a farmer by his appearance, whom I did not recognize, were in the middle of a heated argument. I must admit, I coaxed my horse to slow down at a slower pace so that I could witness the exchange for a few moments longer. I recall hearing the constable tell the man, I'm sorry, Mr. Hockenberry, if they haven't damaged any property of yours, just sitting near the edge of the woods and near your field isn't enough for me to arrest them. The man called Hockenberry said, But I know they was casting spells, practicing witchcraft. I heard them. The constable shook his head and changed his tone to that of authority. Mr. Hockenberry, I'm sorry, but I won't listen to any more of this nonsense. Now get up on your horse and return home. Contact me if you feel threatened or your property or your crops are damaged. He began walking towards his horse, getting red in the face. He turned around before he mounted it to shout, I know these was witches. If you ain't gonna do nothing about it, then I might have to. He gestured then towards the rifle in the sling on his horse. Farmer Hockenberry rode in the direction opposite of my destination. A breath of relief escaped me, as I did not want to hear the ramblings of an angered man on my journey home. Second entry. Traveler from out of town to the north. Headed towards Lock Haven. 29th October, 1867. In all my day's existence on this earth, I never thought I would be writing this account into my journal. It was late evening of October 29th. I was about to make camp for the night when I saw signs for a town called Charlton. The signs claimed that it was but a few miles away. Wanting to verify this information, 
I consulted my maps, and I found that I was only an hour's travel from the town. A bed of any kind would be a vast improvement over my bedroll that I have slumbered on for the past fortnight. At the cost of traveling for a half hour in the dark, it would come to fruition if I could have a warm meal, room, and proper stable for Skip and my wagon. These autumn nights are beginning to chill me to the bone. Skip also does not appreciate the cold, choosing to stand a few paces closer to the fire than he had at the beginning of our travel. I had pressed on for about an hour and crested the hill when I began to see signs of civilization, distant tiny lights and smoke rising over the trees in the distance. My gaze followed back from the town towards the trail before me. I saw that the road dropped down into a small valley lined with trees. A darkness emanated from them and it made me feel uneasy. I want to make note that I am not afraid of the dark but merely put off by the thought of some nocturnal beast being able to stalk me while I am at a strict disadvantage. Skip and I descended into the valley and were engulfed by the dark, gnarled trees. Horrible things that stood stationary in the dark and prevented either of us from glimpsing more than a few feet off the road. I sparked a lantern to try and ease some of my discomfort of the forest, it was, by my estimate, nearly fifteen minutes before we turned a curve in the road, and I began to see the edge of the wood line not twenty yards in front of us. Skip then began acting strange. Normally he would be happy to be out of this strange place, but once we were able to see the edge of the forest, he stopped abruptly, refusing to go any further, no matter how much I coaxed him or attempted to lead him with the reins. I had hesitated a moment between attempts of moving Skip. The moment was just long enough to realize that he was looking at something ahead. He had positioned himself cockeyed, as he knew from some animalistic instinct that something he perceived as a threat was nearby. Upon this realization, I snuffed at the lantern just in time to see a figure emerge from the side of the road ahead in the darkness. The figure seemed to reside on the edge of the woodline, and was slightly illuminated by the light of the moon. It was taller than a man, at least one and a quarter, if not one and a half a man's height. It did not bear the shape of any man, though. As my eyes slightly adjusted to the outline of the figure, I saw that its legs were bent backwards like that of a horse or a goat. Its body was thick and broad, resembling depictions of the mythic Sasquatch I have read about. I could glimpse that its hands were not hands, but in fact something else. The beast's silhouette showed that it had between three and four digits on each end of the arm, long, curved, and pointed. Its head was large and strangely shaped, larger than it should have been given the mass of the creature. Two pointed ears protruded from the top of its head. I began to recognize the shape of the head. It looked like that of a raccoon. The figure stood, looking in what I assumed to be our direction, for nearly a minute, allowing me to make my observations before it darted to the left 
into the woods with a crash of leaves and branches. It wasn't long before I heard the awful, howling shriek of something I can only describe as a cross between that of a wolf, a horse, and some other identifiable animal. Skip jolted at the cry of the beast, and we both remained still long after it had ended. We made no sound for some time before quickly cantering him out of the woods and towards Charlton. There we found respite from the cold and from the darkness of the night. Skip in his stable with fresh hay and myself inside of the local inn, warm linens and fire to comfort me for the night. Third Entry Farmer Hockenberry 27th October 1867 I ain't one for written letters, but this issue's got me fired up something fierce, and I reckon I need to write it down for proof in case something happens to me. I seen witches at the edge of the cornfield just after harvesting. Seen some lights way off and decided to have a looky-see to see what they's up to. I sneaked through the fields and crawled to where I made a wall with rocks I dug up when I was a plow, and I looked over and sawed three women sitting round a fire. I seen candles on rocks round them as well. I knew by looking at them that these was witches. I heard a mumbling devil's tongue, making shapes with their hands. I even sawed one pull dust from a sack and toss it on the fire, making it light up all sorts of pretty colors. I jumped up and started shouting for them witches to get off my land. I told them I was going to get the constable on their asses if they didn't go. Them witches got up and ran into the woods, back to their swamps if I had a guess. I stamped their fire and walked back to my farm. 28th October, 1867 I rided to Charlton today. Seen the constable and demanded that he go up and arrest them witches on the spot for being on my land. That coward he said to me, he said, I can't do nothing if they ain't hurting you or your land. Malarkey, I says. I got on old Jasper and yelled, If you ain't gonna do nothing, maybe I will. And I looked at the rifle hanging on old Jasper. I was gazing out at the fields tonight and seen me another damn fire on the edge of the corn. I grabbed Bessie from the rack and stomped over to that fire. Did the same as last time. Hid behind them rocks, and you ain't gonna believe it. I swears it on the memory of my old mama. They wasn't there. A small fire's all that sat. Candles and the same thingamajunk that I saw last time. I jumped out from those rocks and shouted, You damn witches! Go back to the devil! At the woods. I went to stamp the fire and saw evil things. Round that fire were piles of ash, and I saw things that were partly burnt. Bird claws, hoof clippings, a coon's tail, and a wad of gray fur. 29th October, 1867 I'm getting good at writing these letters. My mom'd be proud. I sat at the window a couple of hours after dark. I ain't seen no witches tonight. I went to bed and was woken up by a crash. I springed out of bed and grabbed my Bessie and a lantern. 
made sure she was good loaded and ran outside. He heard another crash by the barn and run to investigate. I run around the corner and froze. I seen in my lantern light the biggest creature I ever sawed. Big as two of me, covered in gray fur, and it didn't have feet. It looked like gold jaspers. Hoofs. Didn't have hands, neither. Looked like them bird feet I seen at the witch's fire, but they were on its hands. Had a big old coon's head, beady little eyes with a dark ring around them like robber. I screamed and dropped my lantern, breaking the glass and spooking the monster. It began to run away as I shot at it with Bessie. At least one pellet had to get into it. I bet them witches is behind this. Them things I seen in the ash were parts of this monster. I looked for blood. Didn't see none. I knows I got it, though. I just had to. Fourth Entry Townsfolk Smith Night of the 29th of October, 1867 Had a strange one today. Normally, this is where I keep log of my stock, but wanted to write this down as soon as I could. Had about a dozen, dozen and a half people at the bar, and this guy comes in. Looks a bit shook up. Eyes were wide and hands shaking a little. He comes up to the bar, and he asks if he can have a drink and room. I give him my rate, and he accepts. Then this fella, he takes his drink and sits in the corner. I went back to my business behind the bar and delivering drinks out on the floor. Caught bits of his conversation between him and the others. Learned he was coming from the north. Didn't catch exactly where, but he was headed for Lock Haven. Claims he saw some sort of monster. Before I knew it, most of the patrons were gathered around him in the corner. He was entertaining everyone with his story now. I looked at the group, and now at my empty bar, grabbed myself a small cup of ale and joined the gaggle of people. The man was trying to figure out uh, just where he was when it happened. Eventually, we narrowed it down to the wood line, just beside Hockenberry's fields. <laughs> that old coot. The traveler was warned not to go on his land, or old John Hockenberry would probably shoot him. This man was either the best storyteller I ever heard spin a tale, or he was telling the truth. Claims he saw some sort of half-man, half-horse, half-raccoon thing near the woods. Gave good descriptions of what he saw, and even brought a wad of gray fur he found. Claimed that after the sighting he rode up the wagon to where it crossed and lit his lantern. He got off the wagon and looked around for tracks and saw some fresh hoof tracks leading across the trail. Tracks that were bigger than his horses, but spaced apart like a person walking. Branches were broken and dirt was tramped down in a sort of trail. Found that tuft of fur hanging from a snapped branch. One of the guys, uh, Mulaney, took a journey into Canada once to try his luck living there. Ended up hating the cold. Well, I'm getting off topic. Mulaney grabs the fur and feels it, sniffs it. I even think I saw him lick it once. Tells the guy it's wolf's fur. No doubt about it. There ain't no wolves in this area, so how'd he get that fur? 
A lot of guys at this point thought he was just fibbing, trying to swindle us into buying some sort of monster repellent or something. Had a couple of people come through here last month claiming they had repellent from the Jersey Devil or something. This guy, he never tried to sell us anything. He just told his story and said he'd be headed back to Lock Haven in the morning. He warned us all to be careful in case anyone else ran into the beast. Then he got up and went into the room that I had given him keys for minutes before. Fifth Entry Townsfolk Miller 10th November, 1867 People have started calling the beast the Jawoggle. I ain't sure why, but the name just kind of stuck once it was said. Started getting seen right around All Hallows' Eve about two weeks ago. People are figuring that devil worshippers or a cult brought this thing to life. John Hockenberry made a stink at the constable, talking about damaged tools, buildings, and crops that ain't been harvested yet. Apparently Hockenberry had complained about the witches casting spells on his land a few weeks ago to the constable, who didn't do nothing to help. Since All Hallows' Eve, people have been seeing this thing all round town, just seeming to attack farmers' land and belongings, getting in the barns and scattering hay, snapping corn stalks and trampling other crops, snapping pitchforks and shovels, breaking tractors and other valuables. Two people have even claimed that it killed chickens on their land and scattered the blood all over and threw the chicken on the farmhouse roof. People are starting to believe Hockenberry's story. Folks is looking for a group of witches in town now, suspecting their neighbors and friends. Mary Catherty was put in jail overnight because people thought she knew about the witches. Eventually she got out, but no one trusted her the same since. Another rumor's been flying faster than the autumn wind, too. One that there's a man, about two days travel east, northeast from here, that could help. Folks is calling him Loop Hill Ike, on account of him living near Loop Hill. Folks says that he knows all about witches, devils, and demons, and how to get rid of them. I guess Farmer Hockenberry is readied for the trip and set off this morning. Editor's Note I am unsure if the following letter was written by Loop Hill Ike, later known to be Isaac Gaines, or after the events when asked about it, and then recorded by someone else. Sixth Entry Isaac Gaines, also known as Loop Hill Ike, 12th November, 1867 I was sitting on the edge of my porch, smoking tobacco out of my pipe, when I saw the figure of a man on a horse turn corner on the road. He rode up to my cabin and introduced himself as John Hockenberry, farmer from Charlton. You come a long way, I said, rocking back onto the back legs of my chair. What is it you need? I expected the tale of a sick lover who needed healing from a devil, or a hex lifted and a blessing on his house. What he told me was entirely surprising. Witches. But what he tells me, there's three of them. Cast some sort of spell that summoned the creature. A bastardization of God's creation, and they set it loose on the farmers. 
John thinks they did this as some sort of revenge for him throwing them off his land. I listened to his story and how others had seen this beast they called the Jawagal, how it had been harassing farmers. I agreed to help him in exchange for a living quarter in his home and food during my stay. I also required a cow. Didn't have to be his, necessarily, but a cow for me to have meat for the winter. He was certain he could make arrangements with the townsfolk of Charlton. John Hockenberry stayed with me overnight, and we departed for Charlton at dawn. 15th November, 1867 We arrived at John's farm shortly before dusk. Gave me a quick tour of his home and property. Showed me that destruction that the, uh, Jawagal had wrought upon him. He led me to the edge of a field and allowed me to investigate remains of a fire that the witches had used. I was able to find a trail that the witches had been traveling, just at the edge of the woods. I told John that I would need to begin my search in the morning. When we were traversing back to the house, through the field... I heard the most inhumane screech. It sounded like many animals screaming at once. This sound made John want to flee into the house, and I agreed, as my hunting gear was sitting inside on my backpack. He states that he's heard the sound multiple times nightly since he first spotted the beast. 16th November, 1867 evidence of that jawagal from the previous night was present when we emerged from the farmhouse in the morning. Straw lay scattered from inside the barn, tools thrown around the yard, three fence posts been knocked over. I grabbed my pack and loaded it with all the gear I could think of. Charms, repellents, silver bullets and quickfire, a dagger and my revolver, a few odds and ends like food and canteens, extra clothing and a few other things in case I was out later than expected. A light snow had begun falling over the fields, giving the land a hazy look to him. I returned to the edge of the field and looked at the fire once again. Birch, elm, and maple wood was used to burn the offerings. I walked on the trail of the woods, looking for a grove that contained all of these trees. Few forks in the trail led me nowhere and ate up valuable hours of daylight didn't find the grove of trees after about four hours of hiking through the ever-deepening snow. The dusting that coated the fields when I departed had now become at least three inches. Now, I gotta be honest. I'm not sure if I would have found them witches' cabin if not for stumbling across a footpath with human prints stamped into the snow by sheer happenstance. Followed the tracks the wrong direction and ended up at a stream, a small area that had been dammed up allowing for the water to pool before headed downstream. No doubt that's where the witches bathed their unholy bodies. The other direction led me to a cabin, rather nicely crafted, most likely by some poor charmed craftsman and carpenter. Small outbuildings sat a few feet from the cabin. Smoke billowed from the chimney, showing me that someone was home. I snuck round, avoiding being spotted by a potential watchful eye through the shutters, and slipped into the outbuilding. I found some rough-cut hewn boards set in a pile in the corner. I grabbed the board, some nails, and began my attack. When I neared the front door, I noticed hoof prints 
these women did not have a horse, so I figured it must have been this jawagal beast coming to see its masters for its next evil command. I sat near the front door, listening for the people inside. Heard three women's voices, but no sign of the beast. I took a length of rope and cut it, tying one end around the handle of the door and the other to a nearby post so the door could not be flung in. I then snuck around the house and put a board and nails near each window. I took a deep breath, knowing there was no going back, and threw my elbow into the shutter with a bang. A few of the slats broke, and I heard a shriek from inside. Footsteps began rushing towards the room I stood outside of as I pushed the board through the panes of the window, causing glass to shatter and fall everywhere. I sparked a wick at the end of my quickfire and tossed the glass into the room. With a crash and a shatter, I heard the whoosh and felt the heat as fire engulfed the room. I quickly ran to the next window and slammed against it as I did before with my elbow, shattering the shutter and cracking the glass on the other side. I tossed the board against the pane and it shattered easily. Spark of the wick and whoosh of flames was satisfying as I saw black smoke beginning to congregate in the home. The confused shouts had turned to that of fear and anger. Curses and devil-speak flew from the house. Flames of different colors spat from the window I had just set ablaze. I ran to the third window and quickly did the same as I had been doing. The witches this time were visible to me, as this was not an enclosed room. They stared at me with anger in their eyes before hurling words and curses so powerful it shook the house. I tossed my quickfire and watched it spread across the floor and lick at the walls of the cabin. I had run out of quickfire and proceeded to board up the last window, ensuring that they could not escape. I walked around the cabin, watching it burn, hearing the witches scream. Fire of all colors began pouring out the windows, cracks, and chimney at once. I knew that evil sisterhood of Satan had finally succumbed to my holy fire. Then I heard a thudding through the forest then, and saw a great beast emerge into the clearing. The Jawoggle. Exactly as John Hockenberry had described it to me, I drew my revolver and took aim before pulling the trigger. A crack tore through the sounds of the burning cabin as my gun fired a bullet directly into the torso of the beast. It turned and saw me and roared its strange, ungodly shriek. A regular bullet had been fired from my gun. I fired again, knowing that this time a silver bullet would fly. The round struck the beast in the arm and it howled and ran from the clearing into the woods following its tracks and trails of blood. Soon, I stopped seeing the blood, and then, all at once, the tracks disappeared. I kept my gun close, looking at my surroundings, waiting for the beast to strike, but he never did. I returned to Mr. Hockenberry. As payment, there was cow in the stable with my horse for me to take home. The witches had been dealt with, and the beast had been run off. With no masters, it was free to roam the nearby mountains, living far from anyone that it could harm. The events that happened in 1867 were surely strange, and may have been a part of a monster panic that arose with the story of the Jersey Devil, but sightings of dogmen, wolfmen, and large furry bipedal creatures are still reported near the interstate and local roads of Clinton County to this day. I hope you have enjoyed my Halloween stories. 
If you want to hear more, patrons gain access to an extra story each month. And for this Halloween special, they received two extra stories. You can listen to all past stories for just $1 per month. Please rate and review the show on iTunes, and follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Have a happy Halloween.